This episode is brought to you by Cabot Creamery, proud to be a dairy farm family-owned cooperative for more than 100 years. Learn more at cabotcheese.coop. That's cabotcheese.coop. It's September, and as the days get shorter and temperatures cooler, it's time to go back to school. This week on Meet and 3, we're looking at how lunchtime is changing from elementary schools through college, whether classes are remote or in person. While there was some information about where families could access food, it was spread out on many different websites. I'm seeing people, you know, advocate for, like, going back into school and... A main reason is, you know, food insecurity, like kids go to school and they get fed. And I'm just, that's a whole other thing of like, fight for kids to be fed versus like going to school. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Life is a Banquet, a show about all things edible, spreadable, and portable, with your host, Z the Zoo Man, <laughs> Z the Zoo Man Taylor, and Nicole Bailey. <laughs> Seems to be a little bit of a disparity in energy here. Let me explain. I just drank some coffee again at 6 p.m. So Why? if anybody happens to notice that I'm a little bit more <laughs> wily, that is why. Why did you do it? Why did I Why did I do it? Um, I'm a masochist. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I had a shitty night's sleep. Um, I actually am just really, I was a little tie-tie. I was feeling a little low end. And uh, I needed to put a little pep in my step. So it was either that or a cocaine enema. And I'm all out of animals. <laughs> you could have just snorted cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all out of cocaine too, as it as luck would have it. <laughs> That's how art thou? Good, I'm good. So we are doing. We're using a platform where we can see video. And Nicole, you're backlit, so I just see a shadow mm-hmm. of your face and a kitschy sign <laughs> behind you, which I can only half read. Could you tell us what that sign it says? says Take a walk on the moonlit beach. <clears throat> Very cute. Is that cute. a song lyric? Leads me to believe. Uh, I don't know, but it leads me to believe you might be on Vacance. <laughs> I'm in the Poconos. Hot. What's up with that? What's it like? What's the temp? It's warm. I swam in the lake. Um, there's deers everywhere. <gasps> <laughs> they Careful. don't even care about the people. People feed them here, so they're pretty... They're pretty into the humans. <clears throat> There's also bears, but we haven't seen any bears. But the woman, we went to this restaurant last night that has, like, outdoor dock seating or whatever. And the woman who works there told us mm-hmm. that the bears get into the dumpster all the time and they get stuck in there. So they have to, the humans who work at the restaurant have to pull the bears out of the dumpster. <laughs> get the <laughs> hell out of here. And we thought... <laughs> We thought it was bad having to, like, have servers wear, like, face masks and stuff here. In the Poconos, they have to do bear retrieval. Yeah. Seems unjust. It's crazy. Imagine then, pulling um, a live bear out of a dumpster. I don't even, I guess it takes many people. I mean, the baby bears are the ones that get stuck in there, but still. Okay. I don't, I would not be wanting to lift a bear up into the air. Of course not. <laughs> not. I mean, not unless you're in an actual paid circus job. And that takes years of training, <laughs> as we all know. But she said that the, the baby bears of the bears that they've been pulling out of the dumpster are now super used to humans because their parents spent their whole life getting rescued by humans when they get stuck in a dumpster. That's cute. That sounds like a great plot for a uh, 1990s style comedy sitcom. <laughs> Uh, starring some waitresses and some tiny yeah. bears. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I also have been doing some thrift but, store shopping. I have a thrift store shopper's high today because I got scored a lot of good stuff. Oh, did you get anything for me? Did you find any perfect Vinti Levi's for your no, friend Zara? No, I only got I got one pair of shorts, but it was mostly a shirt haul. All the pants were too oh, wow. big. 
Interesting. Hmm, I wonder what that says about the Poconos. No offense, Poconos, but you're fat. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Not saying anything except for the fact that you're all very fat in the Poconos. And so uh, this show has now been canceled. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, we can't talk about weight. We can't be weightists, okay? No, that's that's fine, Poconos. Either way. Maybe you just like to be comfortable. Maybe two pair maybe two people wear one pair of pants in the Poconos. I don't really know what happens there. I've only been really? once. Actually, that's a a full blown lie. I've been twice. The first time I went, I went to a resort when I was like and by res- I use the term resort extremely mm-hmm. loosely. It was for people kind of like broke people and my dad took me and kind of, you know, it was full in the divorced dad sure. era, you know, when I was still pretty little and he was trying to find things to do with me that were keep me entertained and forgetting about the divorce while also having no money. And so he took me to this place in the Poconos. The first thing that happened was that I drank a, um, a huge swig of a Coke can that was full of cigarette butts that him and his friend, oh, yeah. Billy Jennings, had been putting their cigarettes oh. into. Well, that's Billy Jennings of... No, it's not. Um, Billy Jennings, incidentally, was also the person who my father, in his will, left all of his ashes to, to be sprinkled in the Bay of Huntington, despite the fact that he had not seen Billy Jennings since probably this incident when we went on vacation. Oh, a deer just walked <laughs> by the window. Hello, dear. Oh, my God. Maybe it's my dad. Um, second thing that happened was that my dad and I went on the toboggan, and because he was like overweight at the time not fully like he ended up becoming obese but he was overweight at the time and we went on the toboggan together and we flew you're supposed to stop at the end and we didn't and we flew off the end and he like cracked his tailbone and it ailed him for the rest of his entire life <laughs> Wait, is it like winter time like the snowy toboggan <laughs> yeah yes yes it was a winter resort yeah i think that that place might Quote. be near here because well i don't know they probably have toboggans at all of them but this place is a ski resort slash lake area but my friend's brother has a house out here, so we're staying in the house. But there is like a, a like a nineteen seventies like resort nearby that has like an indoor mm-hmm. pool that looks like it should be from like a murder movie. It's very cool. Oh cool. That's yeah, very the thrifting fun. is very good. I went thrifting um, uh, a couple of days ago also and got a nice haul and just been having a grand old time out here. That's great, dude. You deserve it. You deserve a break today. I do. What is that slogan from? That's is that Twix? Kick, Kit Kat? Duh! Please, Give somebody call break. into the show. You could be a sponsor. Payday? <laughs> yeah, that's Kit Kat. We need to figure this out before the end of the show. Um, I just wanted to quickly, before we jump into our topic, mention that the the new situation that's going to happen now that indoor dining is allowed back in New York. And 25%. Governor Cuomo has uh, told us that he's going to put, what is it, 4,000 police officers to monitor restaurants. So there'll be a cop in your restaurant making sure that you're behaving. An armed police officer, not wearing a mask. Not wearing a mask? Well, they don't wear masks, those coppers. They'll They'll have to wear masks in the restaurant, I think. What do you think of that? Would you go to a restaurant with a cop in it monitoring what you're doing? Not if I'm a person of color. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, when I was reading about that article on uh, on Curbed, they were also reminding us that 80% of the people that have been served summons- summonses for not socially distancing in New York City in the past two months have been, in the first two months of uh, that being enforced, were people of color. So uh, this does not sound like a good plan to me. And it's frightening from top to bottom in every way. Well, to take your mind off of this trauma that we're living through, I want to talk about something that I just found out today that's trauma that we already lived through when we were younger, but didn't know about. Oh, please. Is that there is a conspiracy theory that seems to me plausible that the CIA are the ones who sent out all the anthrax after 9-11. And I just was listening to this podcast about it, and I was like, oh, my God, there's so much that we don't know. Because they... To this day, they they say that yeah. they don't know who did it. Um, I'll believe it. I mean, who knows? The CIA are a bunch of crafty, intelligent assholes. That's what it stands for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, I think they're not, in, they're not intelligent. They're insomniacs. Oh, right, right, right. Crafty insomniac assholes. And by crafty, I mean mm-hmm. good with crafts, like building tiny dollhouses, yeah, yeah. bird houses, yeah. all they kinds make, of small do they houses. They macrame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever find a perfect vintage macrame plant holder? You have the CIA to thank for that. <laughs> and the Kennedy assassination. Oh, oh zinc. Wow, sick burn, CIA. <laughs> ring a ding ding. <laughs> I'm gonna start saying ring a ding ding all the time. I'm bringing it back. That's a great. That's a great catchphrase. I love it. <laughs> Soon our merch will be our ring a ding ding merch will be available next week. Um, should we get into our topic today, which is like a little bit after the fact because summer has just ended, quote unquote. But I still think Allegedly. it's a great topic. Oh, Allegedly, and on that according note, to the I CIA. I something on reanimated joe biden's platform that we should extend the swimming pool like dates because because of global warming like it's going to be really warm through the through the most of the month of september probably right so the pool should still be open it shouldn't close yeah i feel like if or the first monday in september no not at all and i feel like you know i had been withholding my support for joe biden until he included at the very least medicare for all into his platform yeah um but i feel like i could be persuaded by just the pool thing swimming pools for all through the end of september exactly like medicare schmedicare let's get those (laughs) pools open (laughs) am i right cia yeah call the cia see brought it all back cia on top of this okay um, okay, but our topic today exactly. is blockbuster video. Just dun dun, <laughs> just regular old blockbusters. Yeah. Regular blockbusters, summer movie hits, um, through the ages, <laughs> but not really the ages because I guess they didn't really start until the seventies. So sue me. Um, but I will. My portion. We're going to talk about some blockbusters. And we're going to talk about what people were eating in a blockbuster. Everyone's dying to know, I think. When you think of blockbusters, you're like, were people eating in that movie? And I'm going to tell you. You know, it's... In- <laughs> what? Please do. It's interesting. I I don't remember where I read this. I think I was reading something about Tarantino mm-hmm. and how he has a lot of his characters eating in right. his movies. And I was reading about the use of food and film. Maybe we already talked about this, but... Um, how it just kind of, like, can bring you back to... Nor- it, like, normalizes the characters to see them doing something that's, like, right. like eating. You know yeah. what I mean? That's interesting. So. Um, it's yeah. also hard for the actors, though, if they have to retake the scene a million times and they have to keep eating. Kevin Costner, remember, famously ate <laughs> yep, all those that's a real enchiladas in that scene. He complained about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's how Kevin Costner fit into Pocono's pants. Yeah. Um, Okay, so blockbusters are kind of, in my mind, if I'm writing a book about this, the end of the golden age of theater, which is like when the post, you know, pre-code was like kind of the golden age, but then after the um, restrictions came about, things kind of got a little bit more controlled. And then in the 70s, the studios were basically just like letting the directors kind of do whatever they want. I mean, the white male directors but whatever um and then the blockbuster sort of came about and showed ways to make bunches and bunches and bunches more money and it sort of kind of heralded the end of that kind of creative freedom but that's okay because blockbusters Hmm. are cool and it's fine you don't need to cry about it zara there's i'm (laughs) okay well i'll stop crying then in fact i'm gonna get my tear ducts removed (laughs) Uh, okay, so the first blockbuster officially is Jaws from 1975, and I actually just rewatched that beach scene at the beginning, or what, when the attack, and it is scary still. It's scary. The one where, with the fir- very first scene with where, where the girl gets no, attacked. The, yeah, the very like the one where they're all on the beach, and he's like, "That's some bad hat, Harry." When the little kid, yeah, when gets, the kid it. gets it. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. The yeah, whole yeah. Like, everybody's out at the beach. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary and bloody. Yeah, it is very scary. It's a very scary movie. It's interesting to me how that became like a... I mean, I guess it's not... It's it's that it's like a, more of a horror movie than like other blockbusters. I feel like it's the scariest blockbuster there is. Yeah, I mean, other... 
Jurassic Park is kind of scary. It actually it is. I just watched. Actually, I have a lot of horror on here. Not a lot. Fuck me then. Why don't you go (laughs) call the put on your Poconos pants (laughs) call the CIA. (laughs) Give the CIA a call. (laughs) Um. Okay, so I was actually revisiting that beach scene to see if anyone was eating on the beach, and they are not. But Jaws does eat some people. Jaws is eating throughout the entire film. He eats people. <laughs> he eats a dog. <laughs> he eats a boat. He. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he is not picky. He'll he eat will. anything. He'll eat He's like that guy that I read about. I don't know if we talked about this in another podcast or not, but the guy who eat who ate a waterbed. Did I tell you about that guy? <laughs> I think so. I think I've heard you say that at some <laughs> He's point. in the Guinness Book of World Records for eating the most, like, bicycles or something insane. <laughs> wow. And then after he won That's that amazing. prestigious distinction, they said they were taking the bicycle eating category out of the Guinness Book of World Records. So it'll be his forever to have. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, hey, call us, yeah. please. Okay, so Jaws eats everything. Yeah, he might be dead. Um... Star Wars was in 1977. <laughs> Nobody really eats in Star Wars, or maybe they do. I can't really remember. I haven't seen it in a long time, you guys. But they're... I've never you seen haven't? it. Ooh. Well, never. Well, it's I know, kind of it's a big weird. deal. But also, it's totally fine. Um, this was the first movie that McDonald's did like a marketing tie-in with, with the Happy Meal situation. And that sort of spawned that whole you know, what we know of today, which is like all the movie tie-ins and the dipping oh, sauce wow. tie-in with Mulan that they did. <laughs> we talked about a couple of episodes oh, ago. <laughs> yes. Highly problematic <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> um, and then the next one I have here is Alien 1979. This is another example of, you know, the human beings are not necessarily eating a lot, but um, they are getting eaten by a very scary alien monster creature. Have you seen Alien? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, which is weird. I say that with such confidence. But the reason that I haven't seen Star Wars is because I famously don't like space, oh. which is truly just something I've been hanging on to from, like, one of my last kind of contrarian, like, non-joiner things that, like, I don't like this and I don't like that. But then I've gotten so much better at not being like that as an adult. But I think, like defining yourself by what you don't like is something you often do as a teen. And I've hung on to, I don't like space and therefore I've missed a lot of space movies, but I have seen alien because <laughs> Sigourney Weaver and those undies. Yeah, she's fucking hot. It's cool. Look. Call me. Yeah, she's hottie. Call me eighties. I mean, 1979 Sigourney Weaver. Um, okay. <laughs> this is allegedly a horror or a blockbuster movie according to movie So you know what? Don't, don't come for me listeners. I don't really know what the definition of blockbuster is and I refuse to find out. So <laughs> I do and I'm going to tell you in my segment because I have I was compelled right. to look it up. Well, this according to moviefone.com, Amityville Horror, Horror of 1979 um is a blockbuster, a summer blockbuster. Um and nobody really eats in this movie, but I said, here I made a joke here guys. The family is eaten alive by extreme anxiety. Okay? That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a good one. It's a stretch, but it's it's a good stretch. It's true. It's real. Um, 1981, Raiders of the Last Ark. Uh, The character Belloc, do you know who that is? Like the bad Nazi supporting Mm -hmm. guy? So there's a scene where he's speaking and you can see a fly land on his mouth and then it looks as though it crawls directly into his mouth and he has no reaction whatsoever (laughs) and he just eats it and so everyone like thought that he ate it but in fact i read an interview with the actor paul freeman and he was like no they edited out the part where the fly flies away on purpose so it would look like it's crawling into (laughs) my mouth that's amazing it like ruined that guy's career because he was just dubbed as like a fly eater he couldn't get any more work but that is funny yeah, i mean he was plays a nazi supporter so that could have also been a problem for him um yeah i wonder what he's doing right now he's dead i think um oh, speaking <laughs> speaking of flies <laughs> my next blockbuster film is the fly from 1986 oh um 
And the scene that Jeff Goldblum de- digests an orange with his fly spit. Do you know that part? Mm-hmm. That part is like burned into my memory. I saw it when I was like eight. Yeah. Um, it's really gross. That is a scary but movie. But now I know how flies eat food because of that movie. <laughs> it's crazy. I think I told you this before, but like I, Jeff Goldblum went to my gym when I was like 24. I went to the Chelsea Piers and he went to my gym and I always thought he was, like, putting out the vibe. He'd smile at me. And one night I ran into him at a gallery opening in Chelsea. And we were kind of flirting. And then I had this, like, awful but awesome drunken alcoholic friend. And she was wasted and came over and interrupted our conversation and just looked straight at him. And she goes, you're the fly, man. <laughs> and then he walked away. And I never saw him again. And then he stopped going to the gym because he was so humiliated. Yeah, and that's why he's so terribly out of shape now. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I just, I never saw him again oh, that's, in, in person. That is a tragedy that we can never recover from. <clears throat> I know. Jeff, if you're listening, I'm still single, so shockingly. <laughs> um, and she no longer, she doesn't go to Chelsea Pierce anymore, so come get her. Yeah, exactly. It's safe. Um, okay, moving on. 1984, Ghostbusters. This one is jam-packed full of food. This Slimer... Had the the ecto cooler drink right, then then Hardy's mm-hmm. Hardy's Loved had it. the Sunday with bright green syrup for Slimer, which is disgusting. I don't know what flavor it was. Hopefully not apple. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they Let's do all cry. kinds of crazy shit now. They have a fucking at Dairy Queen. They have a um, a nerds blizzard with nerds in it. Get out of here! It's the truth. It's sickening. Okay, so <laughs> then there's um, <laughs> there's a scene where they use the Twinkie as a metaphor for the psych- psychokinetic energy in the city of New York. So they say, if the psychokinetic energy was measured as a Twinkie, it would be a 35-foot-long, 600-pound Twinkie. And then Dan Aykroyd says, <laughs> that's a big Twinkie. <laughs> He's um, right. Or no, I think Winston actually says that's a big Twinkie. Somebody says that. He's right, too. And then the murderer, the bad guy at the end, is a safe of marshmallow man. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. So, and that's another thing where I, I always talk about how in the 80s they love to just make a mess. It's like part of every movie. Um, and it makes me stressed <laughs> out. And I think that when the safe of marshmallow man explodes, there's fucking <laughs> all over 1980s New York City, you know they're not going to clean that up. Of course, as though like this, as though the city needed anything more. It's on the brink of bankruptcy. Yeah. There's just chaos in the streets, and on top of it, marshmallow everywhere. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um. Okay, back to the future, 1985. There is a scene that I love, which is where they have they throw the cake, the sheet cake, onto the table, and they're like, "Well, we can't celebrate." Uncle Joey's parole because he didn't get paroled. And there's like a picture of a bird flying out of the prison cell. It's very cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, in Top Gun 1986, there is, the famous scene where Meg Ryan says, take me to bed or lose me forever, is filmed in a barbecue joint, Kansas City Barbecue. So it's kind of a big deal. But their claim to fame, I think, maybe is that the movie was filmed there. Um, and <clears throat> Was that Meg Ryan? Yeah. In yeah. Top Gun? Yeah. She, really? The main woman in Top no, Gun? No, no, no. Or is she just also in it? She's talking to Goose when she says that. Oh, right. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Well, Goose doesn't make it. And so- <laughs> God damn it. Nicole, you spoiled Top Gun for everyone. Guys, I'm so well, sorry. Well, maybe he lives in the remake. I don't know. Um, there, this is not related to food, but I thought this was really funny is I, I was Googling Top Gun and one of the questions that just like showed up on Google was, why is everyone so sweaty in Top Gun? <laughs> <laughs> it's stressful flying. <laughs> um, okay. Who framed Roger Rabbit? A classic film. I love it so much. Oof. Love it. Hoskins. 1988. Bob Hoskins. May you rest in peace and power. Um, my favorite scene is where he orders the drink from an a cartoon penguin and he says I want a scotch on the rocks and I mean ice but they bring him rocks real rocks <laughs> penguins are pesky huh <laughs> um, then there's Big from 1988 the world famous 
Never heard baby of it. corn eating scene where Tom Hanks is wearing a white <laughs> tails tuxedo and eating a tiny baby corn like a real piece of corn. <laughs> um, in Ghost, in 1990, I allege that during the clay sex scene, they definitely ate some clay inadvertently. <laughs> Amazing. Let's hope, uh, huh? Am I right? Yeah, I mean, it's healthy to eat clay. That's what they say, anyway. Um, Jurassic Park, 1993, classic film. There are people that eat. There's the jello scene, the binge eating of the ice cream scene. But then also, the dinosaurs get to eat people, too. So we get the best of both worlds here. People are getting eaten, but they also get to eat themselves. Totally. What's your favorite person, your favorite person getting eaten scene from Jurassic Park? I like it when the lawyer is sitting on the toilet. Although, actually, I think that's not true. That's just like I, a scene that I recently had to rethink because I thought that he had his pants down, but he's just wearing shorts. Um, yeah, he's wearing suits. I thought he was pooping, but I he's not. Too. He might be pooping, just, but he's not trying to poop. his legs because he's wearing shorts. Yeah, but I do like the part where um, the velociraptor comes after the, the, like, I don't know, park ranger guy, and he's like, clever girl, and they eat him. Yes! <laughs> Me too. I was just going to say that. And then, like, he gets totally eaten. And then there's just that other velociraptor that's, like, you just see its, like, hairy <laughs> eyeball, like, sneaking out from the bushes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, that's all I have. Amazing. That was a really just awe-inspiring I, list. I and uh, loved it. Loved it to death. And um, made me want to go watch... Top Gun. Just kidding. I hate Tom Cruise. <laughs> Just kidding, Tom Cruise. You could be a sponsor on this show. Um, okay, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and I'm going to say some stuff about things that I like in movies. Bye. Cabot Creamery has been making the world's finest dairy products for over 100 years. Cabot's award-winning cheddars and other dairy products stand apart because of their farmers' tireless dedication to quality and freshness, caring for their animals, and to healthy land and a sustainable future. More than a century after they started this journey, Cabot's farmer owners still know what matters most. Family and community, the simple truth that we're stronger together than we are apart. That delicious products are the reward of a job well done. That when you love what you do this much, that the best is always still to come. Guess what? What? We're back. I am. Yep, I, just when you thought, just when you thought we couldn't come back, we did. We did. The show must go on. And I am here to tell you some things about blockbusters and foods. Okay, so I got my information today from a few sources. A Bon Appetit Uh-oh. article from 2013. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I know this might we might be on shaky ground now, but I had to do it. It's called The History of Movie Theater Snacks in America by Rachel Friedman. Uh, 20 Amazing Facts About E.T. the Extraterrestrial by Sean Hutchinson. And another article from Time Magazine by Olivia Waxman, which is I'm going to begin with. Now, you asked, Nicole, and so I am going to tell exactly what a blockbuster is and where it comes from. I'm going to read this word for word from from this article. (laughs) Okay, so according to this article in Time Magazine by Olivia Waxman, the word first appeared in the pages of Time Magazine in November 29th, 1942, The article was about the Allied bombing of key industrial targets in fascist Italy. Take that, Italy. (laughs) The bombs used for such such missions were called blockbusters because their ability to destroy an entire city block. Uh As the term continued to appear in the context of media reports on Allied aerial bombings, it entered the American lexicon as a metaphor for something shocking and explosive. (laughs) Shocking Um, and explosive. The transition... Yes. It has like to diarrhea. Both. Like yeah. diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> we are equally yeah, mature. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
That transition, too, can be seen in the pages of Time. The magazine began to use Blockbuster to describe surprising news from Supreme Court rulings to noteworthy football plays. And then in the ni- in May 9th, 1943 issue, Time used the word to describe a movie, not for its box office take, but for its content. The film adaptation of former ambassador Joseph E. Davis's best-selling mission to moscow was quote audacious in the extreme such that critics called it as explosive as a blockbuster <laughs> what year was this 1949 Man, these people i'm sorry 19 1943 I feel like people would be walking around saying stuff in 1943 and i would have no idea what the hell they were talking about <laughs> <laughs> i know they're like it's a blockbuster see looky here <laughs> Everybody get down to the Nickelodeon, which is what they called movie theaters in the early 1900s. Oh, my God. They cost five cents, and they had live orchestras. Kind of what you were talking about, how blockbusters, like, took over. How did you phrase it? The golden age of film? Yeah. Um, Well, this is kind of where that began. So in the 20s and 30s, we, like, they opened, like, theaters that were, like, trying to mimic European theaters, which were these gorgeous, old, beautiful theaters. And you still can see those. Like, there's a theater, the theater on 2nd Ave. I can't remember exactly what it's called. Cinema Village East, maybe? Um, They have that one theater in there that's really gorgeous. And there's a couple theaters at BAM that are really grand. And, I mean, there's a couple others throughout the city. But... Yeah, they tried to open these really fancy places, and food wasn't a huge part of it. Um, but they did have, in 19... People would bring, like, their own stuff in. They were, like, encouraged to bring things in initially, which is obviously not the case now. Nicole, I'm going to ask you, how do you feel... Do you ever go to a movie and get stopped by the teens who are working at the at the door, and they ask to look in your bag to see if you've contraband snacks yeah which i think should be against the law like isn't it against the law for them to tell me where i can take food agreed it really bothers me and usually i just try to play along with like i don't try to you know i try to not be the person to be like well i want to do this i'm on my own agenda but i don't like when movie theater people ask to look in my bag because i could have also gone like grocery shopping before or have something really private in my bag unless we're doing like checking for weapons or something which if that's where we're at, I'll get behind that. But, I mean, don't make me throw away my wall. You know, I don't know. It really does it's, bother me. It's messed up. And also, it's so easy to hide food from them, which I do all the time. It's You put it in your up your vagina? No, I just stick it, like, I wrap it in something in my bag so you can't see it. Oh, okay. That's easier. I've been sticking it up my vagina, which... Well, that works. Um, I just feel like, you know, the, that it does a pack work. of M&M's has those sharp corners, and I don't, like, want to try to get that in there. I mean, imagine trying to bring in a bag of Tostitos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That would be so loud, getting it out during the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> ma'am, keep it down. I'm sorry. Um, okay, that there were a couple candies. There were Baby Ruth's in 1925. There were Milk Duds the following year, Raisinets. Uh, came uh, shortly after that. And the first kind of candy thing was a, called a Bob White. Oh, yeah. I love Bob Whites. They're snow caps, aren't they? Oh, yeah. It's like a giant snow cap. Yeah. One big snow cap. I, I can try that. That sounds okay. And then there were, in the 20s, there was also uh, Twizzlers and Red Vines. They had Twizzlers in the 20s? Um, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. my and Red God. Vines. I had no idea. I know. Well, I'm bringing you the hard-hitting facts right here. You heard it here first. I folks. love a red bun. Um, so as a, I do too. I prefer them to a Twizzler. They're I delicious. Like do you like licorice Twizzlers? Yeah, I like licorice. I don't. Well, there's the not the chocolate ones. Those are disgusting. I like the chocolate ones, and they are disgusting. <laughs> they're <laughs> I they're do brown. Like them. <laughs> They sure are. And you should see what happens when I have to smuggle them up my Uh-oh. vagina because they do not sell those in the movie yeah, theater. Yeah. So just let your imagination Or take anywhere. Hold, Where do you even folks. find chocolate Twizzlers present day? Up you my gotta vagina. Put this, you got to get this on <laughs> Joe Biden's agenda too with the swimming pools. <laughs> exactly. Medicare for all takes a backseat to chocolate <laughs> Twizzlers and swimming pools that stay open two weeks later. Um, okay. So then the Great Depression comes and movie theaters wanted to sell concessions because they wanted to make more money. Um, but everyone so was more poor. The, 
everyone was more poor, which is interesting, including the theater owners. So this is all a big mess, um, dissimilar to what we're experiencing today where everything's completely fine. And movie theaters are thriving as they never have before. Present day, you um, mean? Or in the... Present... No, no, today, present day, in, the, in what we call the heyday of movie theaters. Just kidding. Movie theaters are, are probably never going to open again, and that makes me more sad than almost Well, they're day. opening in Indiana right now, so just, you can hmm. go to that. <laughs> okay, great. I have been looking to try to contract coronavirus. Um, so anyway, in the post-war, they had Dots and Junior Mints and M&Ms, Uh, In the 1970s, there were Sour Patch Kids. And then in 1978 came a little treat called, what's that? The Sour Patch Kids? Yeah, they're from the 1970s. They're like an acid. Doesn't it make sense? They're like, it's like an acid trip. It's a bunch of crazed little tiny people, all different colors that are sour. That's definitely like an acid situation right there. Yeah, that's true. I do. I also, I love a dot. I never... Yeah, I like a dot. It's okay. It's a little one note for me, a little chewy, but I'll take it. I like um, it. But yeah, and then in, in 1978, we got Reese's Pieces, so which is my favorite movie theater candy and probably one of my favorite candies of all time in general. So in the 50s, Hershey's developed the capability for something called panning, and panning is basically the chocolate coating thing. Got it. Um, that goes on the outside of like a whatever, a M&M or Reese's Pieces. So then we fast forward again to the 70s and Hershey's um, made a formula for a sweetened peanut meal that is the consistency of chocolate and became the base for Reese's Pieces. And they were used for the same, they were used, used the same procedures as Hershey's was using for their version of M&M's, which were called Hershey-Ets, which never really took off, obviously. Hershey-Ets? Yeah, you can find those with the chocolate Twizzlers and the Bob Whites. And some kind of <laughs> That's very dusty cute, old though. Basement. I kind of like that name. <laughs> it is cute. I wonder if they were good. Um, okay, so they were popular when they first came out, but over the years they started to decline in popularity. I'm talking about the pieces now. And until a little, little known director, probably you guys never heard of him. He just does indie films. His name is Steven Spielberg. Still Spielberg? Spielberg. I think Spiel- Spielberg. Spielberg. Yeah, the world's poorest. Spielberg. The world's poorest director. <laughs> yes, famously known for being the poorest director in movie history. <laughs> um, he does. He's doing a movie, a little another very little known indie film called E.T. And he approached Mars, who I guess the Mars Candy Company were notoriously frugal, and he wanted to use M and M's as the candy in the movie. And they said, no thanks, Spielberg. And so he went over to Hershey's and asked the then president of her, vice president of new business development, Jack Dowd, if he would consider doing it with Reese's Pieces. So they made a deal with Universal Studios to spend $1 million over a six-week period promoting E.T. in exchange for the rights to use the alien and ad for Reese's Pieces. And they were told the movie's plot, but they would ne- they never met Spielberg, and they were not allowed to uh, see the like see the script or get like a screener or anything like that. So they kind of just had to go like on. They couldn't even get a screener. That's kind of messed up. I know, but it paid off, and it ended up like propelling them into um, success again. And they, I think, the company's, I think Reese's Pieces sales. Uh, Quadruple. Wow, that's crazy. Over what's five times? Yeah, it rose five hundred percent after the movie. That's insane. I know. What year it? did ET come out? In eighty um, two. Uh yeah, nineteen eighty two. Is that interesting? Okay. I love Reese's Pieces. I think they're they're delicious. very good. Yeah, I love a Reese's Pieces. Yeah, um, and I want to just tell you a little bit about ET. Um, E.T. himself was created by the special effects artist Carlo Rambaldi. We watched E.T. at Mary's house over the summer, um, and we got, like, a newer version where now, if you you have to be careful if you're going to watch E.T., they've updated it to make E.T., like, not a puppet in a lot of scenes, and it looks really silly. It's so much better when it's a puppet. They updated it? Like, if you get the new, like... Yeah, so E.T. is, like, CGI, and it is not chill. It really, like, ruins the movie, honestly. I can't believe they would do that. It's really messed up. Spielberg. 
It really is. Take that, Spielberg. Um, we should call the CIA about yeah, oh this. Yeah. But anyway, so Carl Rambaldi used inspiration from a painting of his called Women of Delta. And he had depicted a shriveled character with stumpy legs, a long neck, and an oblong head and large eyes. <laughs> and then to make the alien empathetic, Spielberg and Rambaldi, they studied photos of elderly people who lived through the Great Depression. And they made E.T.'s facial design with photos of Albert Einstein, Ernest Hemingway, and Carl Sandburg. Okay. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that weird? So I just thought it was weird, kind but of I like that they, to make it empathetic, that means it was, like, horrifying before that they did that. It must have been, like, the scariest alien of all time before they made it empathetic. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wonder what it like, looked like before. Also, he, he based it um, on a painting. And it's the number three highest grossing blockbuster of all time. Wait, what? Huh? I was just going to say it's the number three highest grossing blockbuster of all time behind Jaws and Star Wars. Right, which is why Spielberg doesn't have any cash. Um, but Exactly, that's why but he's the guy, We should start a GoFundMe for the him. The painter guy based it on a painting that he made of a woman, so the woman looked like E.T.? That's messed up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the whole thing is quite straight. <laughs> um... But yeah, so then I read a BuzzFeed article about, I was like, what are some of the weirdest things that people have, like, I was started trying to read about, like, the weirdest movie snacks that are offered, but they were all just like, in, in Korea, they have kimchi flavored popcorn. I was like, that's not weird. And to, like, kind of, like, say that's weird is just kind of racist. So also, I kind of veered away from that. Yeah, it sounds okay. great. But so instead, I decided to just look up, like, weirdest things that people have snuck into movies. And <laughs> BuzzFeed had an article about <laughs> some of them. And here are, here are some of the answers. A loaded baked potato. Oh, my God. Sushi. That's fine. A, a whole watermelon. A can of SpaghettiOs. Um, a whole cheesecake. And a corn on the cob. A corn on the cob? Yeah, those that was some of the top ones that I saw. And I was like, I simply cannot believe this. The whole entire watermelon is absolutely criminally insane. That's insane. insane. And that person should be brought to to prison for the rest of their lives. Um, I one time brought McDonald's chicken nugget meal into a movie and broke out the dipping sauces and everything. That's, that's fine. But what that prompted me to kind of like want to then... Uh, kind of yes and your question about the beach like worst foods to bring to the beach and raise you what are some of the worst foods you can imagine bringing into a movie theater I think spaghetti and meatballs still holds <laughs> <laughs> totally um, what else would be bad to bring everything else it's just like you're eating it with your hands so anything that you need a fork and a knife so like a veal parm yeah, a veal parm would be bad. <laughs> or, like, a big steak dinner. <laughs> or anything that's a flambe. Again, baked Alaska, completely yeah, inappropriate. Yeah, baked Alaska is really a food you kind of have to eat indoors at a table. Totally. Tableside Caesar. Tableside Caesar, tableside guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, although, once the guacamole has been completed, delicious to have in the movies. <laughs> Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, anything that requires, like, on, I guess, like, a whole omakase meal would be difficult. A porchetta. Porchetta would be very bad. (laughs) Um, I guess, like, a big bowl of, like, steamy hot soup, like, pho or ramen could be very challenging. Any kind of soup is hard because it's pitch black, and so it's hard to, like, not spill on yourself. Yeah. Oh, a club sandwich. <laughs> I think a club sandwich could be manageable. But there's too many, like, variables with a club sandwich. You really have to be on top of a club sandwich to make sure that you're not letting any of it squish out or biting into a toothpick, which is very dangerous. <laughs> That's true. I think they have club sandwiches, though, at, like, the Nighthawk. Oh, well, well. Shame but on you me. Have, like, Fool a, me once, you have, huh? You do have, like, the table there, so there is that. Um Yeah. Uh, yeah, anything, well, yeah, anything that you need a steak knife for. Just mm, mm-hmm. a whole tomato that you're just going to slice and eat during. Very messy. Ooh, Alaskan crab legs. <laughs> Big, long crab legs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sir, you ordered the Alaskan crab legs? <laughs> I feel like that's that's a tough one. Um, and then what are your favorite and least favorite movie snacks? I love I've gummy bears. Um, mm. Actually, I like to get two different kinds. Like I would get like a gummy bear and a chocolate, like an M&M or something. Or a, like two different kind of flavor profiles. And then... Are you the kind of person that shakes up all your M&M's into... Hello? What? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? No. Yeah, now I can. You can hear me? Okay, sorry. Um, I said, are you one of those people that likes to um, just go ahead and dump all the M&M's or Reese's Pieces, like, just straight into the popcorn? No, because it just falls to the bottom. Right, I agree. Or melts in this way, and then it's very slippery. But I do like the flavor profile there. Yeah, the combo. But I would just have an M&M and then eat some popcorn, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just make the combination in your mouth. Keep it clean. <laughs> I also think that's a sign of, like, a very kind of, like, if I'm with a guy, like a new guy that I'm dating, we go to the movies and he just does that, I find that to be a major red flag. It's very aggressive, Yeah, and also doing it without asking, that's insane. It really is. It's extremely aggressive, and I don't appreciate it. So if you want to date me, which I'm sure nobody does, don't do that. Have you, has a boyfriend <laughs> that you've dated done that before? Yeah, I, a couple, oh. actually. That's fucking And crazy. that is why, I, yeah, that's probably why all my relationships end in fa- hellfire and brimstone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I cut you off. So you were saying gummy bears... Oh, chocolatey snacks. Gummy bears, M and M's. I like a Sour Patch Kid. I love a dot. Um, mm. You know, a Starburst is great. I just don't. I don't like milk dots. Oh. I don't like malted milk balls. Ooh, I like malted milk <laughs> balls, but that's something I never get. But I do like. I think them. they're repulsive. Really repulsive. You don't like a big bunch of dusty chalk in the middle of a. Mildly okay chocolate nope. shell. Huh, that's and get shocking. Get that malt powder away from my why. milkshake too, bitches. I'm not having any of it. They also like remind me. Kind, of, I do like them, but it always reminded me of uh, mothballs because yeah. mothballs and milk balls were both very popular in my grandmother's house <laughs> when I was growing up. Um, that's really funny, and they look a lot alike. Yeah, I mean, it's a, like a deadly mistake to, to mix yeah. them up. Yeah, I also, so I don't um, really like... I really like... Oh. oh, go ahead. Go ahead. What else do you like? I Well, I was going to say what I like, but I do want to hear you... I want to hear you finish about all the things that you like. Tell me what oh, you like, Oh, I was like, going to say Nicole. I famously Keep am talking. not a fan of chocolate and mint mixed together, but I do, if someone else, like, brings a junior mint package in, I'll eat, like, one of those, <gasps> you know? Oh, really? Yeah, I don't want too many of them because it's just like eating toothpaste. And I'm like, no thanks. I mean, that really is like eating toothpaste. I love them, though. I love Junior Mints. I love Milk Duds. I feel like my number one favorite is definitely Reese's Pieces. Yeah, those are great. I like getting Haribo gummy things from outside and bringing those in. In your vagina? Um, I, In my vag. I also like a vag smuggled Butterfinger bite, like a mini Butterfinger. Remember when they had like those Butterfinger BBs? Yeah, but I didn't really like those because the texture was so weird. It wasn't like the same as yeah. a Butterfinger. But I, I liked the idea. Oof. I love Butterfingers and I love like Nestle's Crunch. Um, and I love popcorn with that like extra gross butter oh, yeah, on top. It's delicious. Um, yeah, I like I when I was younger I loved pretzel nuggets with nacho cheese. Oh, yeah. I love a movie theater nacho. Um, love a movie theater nacho. And what are your um what are your like favorite summer blockbusters of all time? I love Jurassic Park. I don't know if you guys have I don't know if I've mentioned that on the podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Um I love Jurassic Park. I really do love Jaws. I think it's the perfect film. It's great. It's one of the best movies of all time, for sure. Um, and I can't even... I don't know. I think when I was younger, my friends and I went to go see Armageddon at the Dollar Theater, which is like the, the movie theater where stuff would play after it was <laughs> like it had been out for a long time. 
we went to go mm. see Armageddon like I don't know three or four times and that oh, movie wow. is that <laughs> yeah I mean it features the probably the worst actor of our time no offense Ben Affleck or Liv Tyler yeah a bunch of total bunch of du- talk about milk duds <laughs> <laughs> Liv Tyler has like four lines in that movie though so I can't really come for her and I do love her in Lord of the Rings but yeah, and her style in Armageddon is great. I remember her wearing like a flowery dress and like big socks or something. Or maybe that's just in my mind. She wears line, a cute but... flowery dress, but yeah. I don't think she has socks on. Maybe she does. Who knows? And she makes out Ben Affleck on a hill. They're engaged. <laughs> it's very depressing. Um, I love Jaws. I love uh, Men in Black. Oh, yeah, that's great. Love Independence Day. I've never seen it. And... Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's really shocking. We have to watch it. It's great. Um, I love A League of Their Own. Is that a summer blockbuster? To me, in my mind, it is. I mean, I would think it probably was. But here's a real blockbuster, and this is a real sleeper hit. And the entire nerd community that we have that's listening to us can absolutely come at me. Don't care. I love <laughs> Batman and Robin. I love it. Oh, yeah. It reminds me so much of, like, go. it's, like, quintessential movie. When I think about going to the movies with my dad, which I did every single Sunday growing up, It that's the summer. That's, like, what I think of, of going to the movies, being, like, mid-late 90s, um, just, like, looking forward to that, like, corny, campy 90s vibe that everything had. Like, to me, that's, like, the number one. All right. I think you need to rewatch it, though, because it is so bad <laughs> i rewatch that often and even more than that i am constantly watching the super cut of mr freeze <laughs> just being that's freezing cold winter ice and frozen and this week this weekend i crafted an impression of Werner herzog doing an impression of mr yeah freeze. you know that you do mr freeze every single episode of the podcast that's fine i have two things that i talk about right i talk about the rock and his cod obsession <laughs> Talk about Mr. Freeze, and his, that's it. That's all I've se- got. His cod session. He's a, yeah. He has a cod session. He's wearing a cod piece. He's the cod father. <laughs> he prays to cod. <laughs> Wait, no, we talked about the cod father on the on the show. That's true. And what you didn't know is that the real cod father is actually the Rock. Okay. Good night and good luck. God bless. <laughs> Bona fortuna. Um. <laughs> I love a good blockbuster though, and maybe someday we can write one together. It seems like it would be pretty easy, honestly. Yeah. Just need like a All love you need triangle to do is get, like, and a and a asteroid, and you're dead. Yeah, and like Tommy Lee Jones. Although I'm not sure he's still acting, but if he is, please, Tommy, I'm sure you're listening. Give us a call. We're going to write a part for you in our new blockbuster. Yeah, we want you to play the guy in the fugitive. The U.S. Marshal that you played in the Fugitive. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a great blockbuster, too. I'm not sure if that was a summer blockbuster, but, man, what a movie The Fugitive Love the is. Fugitive. And also, like, the sequel Love it. called U.S. Marshals. Mm, I never saw that. Well, ACAB, but that's a good movie. <laughs> yes, ACAB. ACAB in life, but there are some... I watched a movie about a cop called It Could Happen to You. Did I tell you this yeah. already? I don't know if you said it on the show, though, but you told me, but go on. Okay. I watched a movie about a cop called It Could Happen to You starring Nicolas Cage and Bridget Fonda, and I felt very uneasy about it because it was definitely glorifying police, but, like, at the same time, Nicolas Cage also used nonviolent ways of de-escalation by throwing a can at uh, someone's face, but it was also supported extremely, like, racist tropes, I mean, it's a problematic film, but it was a good romantic comedy in some ways. I'm not really doing it much justice, just as the judicial system does not do justice to marginalized people in this country. So, um, but yeah, it is it is a little bit itchy watching movies about cops. But Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive, he was great. He's great. He wore those tight, tight, booty-busting L.L. Bean jeans. Totally, in cowboy boots. <laughs> Yeah, he was hot. I wonder what he's up to right now. I don't know. He's old as hell. Yeah, he's probably eating some bran to soften his stool. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, TLJ. 
All right, that seems like it's about enough for us. That was a great episode. How fun. Makes me want to go watch a blockbuster. Maybe I will. I have literally nothing else to do. <laughs> Just watch out for the coronavirus. That's true. Well, I'm going to watch it in the safety of my mine own home. Don't worry. There's nobody here and there never oh, will be. <laughs> you know what? We're going to do... Well, I have two things to add before we close. We're sure, going to sure. go to the drive-in theater out here in the mountains. And yeah, that's There's a drive-in fun. theater in Greenpoint. There is, however, it costs fifty American dollars per what? car. Yeah, it's and and sorry, I don't mean to hate on like anybody doing business <laughs> now, but it's fifty dollars per car, and they don't play like great movies. Like when I went to go try to see it, and again, no no shade at Breakfast at Tiffany's, except for the shade that's obviously due with uh, Mickey yeah. Rooney, but. Um, I don't want to see Breakfast at Tiffany's at the drive-in in the summer for $50. That's crazy because... I want to see, like, Jurassic Park. Small family gatherings are one of the leading causes of coronavirus spread. So they're basically saying, you four people... I guess they're just assuming everyone has two children, and that justifies the price. In Greenpoint? I mean, where nobody has children, really? I don't know. Yeah. It just seems really strange. Um, the it's other too expensive. Thing I wanted- it should just be... Per person. Yeah. Yes, I know. What? Yeah, whatever. They suck. Fine. Burn it to the ground. Um, the other thing is I wanted to announce that I've had my first pumpkin spice flavored thing, which is a pumpkin spice flavored Milano cookie. <laughs> Ooh, how was it? It's actually good. I was like, I cannot resist buying these. I could not. I simply could not resist. Um, I've never had them before. I don't know if this is the first year that they exist. It appears to be like pumpkin flavored white chocolate and dark chocolate sandwich together <gasps> and oh i bet if you dip it in coffee it's probably so yeah, it's good. good it's good i support it milano support or sponsor us yeah you could be a sponsor of the show milano also uh amanda just wrote in on the chat on the side that we should do a show solely on haribo candy which i'm totally open to because i love haribo oh yeah candy. i could talk forever about sour sketty and why does it exist <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many, like, gummy frogs also. Like, the last thing that anyone should ever eat is a frog. And why did they decide to make gummy frogs? I'm curious. Let's do, we should do a Haribo show. Great idea, yeah, Amanda. Thanks for that tip. You're the best producer in the podcasting yeah. game. That's interesting. Well, I saw um, a friend of mine on the internet posted something about eating a carrot cake flavored Oreo, which I was immediately intrigued by. So, my I know friends- that. Angela and Ryan have had them at their house. I didn't like it. It tasted too fake to me. Like, mm. I don't, I don't know. They loved it. So I think I might be in the minority. I'll try it. It just, to me, it did not taste right. Interesting. I'm definitely going to give it a try. Um, uh, and maybe I'll try sneaking them into a movie theater in you know where. In your vajay. In my Do you remember vajay. when vajayjay started, when that was a thing? <laughs> Yeah, I do. I do remember. I remember exactly where I was on the day when I first heard it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a day I'll never forget. That's my blockbuster. Oh, I, it's called the JJ. And one more <laughs> shout out, my friend Mike Sala, who let me come stay for free at his brother's house in the Poconos. So he gets a shout out. Oh, we're just shouting him out he as a human. To- hey, what? Up? I I love him. He's, He's great. great. He's really, really funny. Is it just the two of you, or is there anyone it's else there? Just the two of us, all alone. With oh wow, that's hundreds sexy. of deers. Well, be careful. Deers are very violent and vicious creatures. <laughs> they have no. They show no mercy to us humans. <laughs> that's true. I. You've been like warned. Like the documentary Bambi told us. <laughs> if we learned anything from Bambi, deers are vicious and they attack. At will. Okay, that's it. Uh, you've been listening to Life's a Banquet, a show about deer. <laughs> <laughs> a show about the deer hunter. <laughs> oh, that's a great blockbuster. Okay, hasta la pasta, everybody. Have a good night. Bye. And good luck. Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. 
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening. <laughs>